0: Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino series. On this episode, we talk with author, writer, and humorist Liz Alterman. Along with being an author, she is a longtime journalist and a mom of three. She covered everything from the real estate industry to the real housewives. Over time, she experienced multiple layoffs while working in media, and that led her to write a memoir that explores surviving unemployment. She has great stories and insights. Enjoy this interview. Hi, Liz. It's Joe Domino. Oh, hi, Joe. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you?
1: Oh, I'm good, thanks. Thank you for calling.
0: Yeah, hey, thanks for taking a minute, at. I appreciate it.
1: Oh, no problem at all.
0: So before we get into your life and how you got to where you're at right now, you know, we've gone through quite a tumultuous time on planet Earth for the last couple of years with COVID. Absolutely. And I'm curious, you know, with your work and with how you live your life, what did you realize about things and how did things change for you now that we kind of are coming out of this and waking up a little bit?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I think for me, um, being a writer, the pandemic was, uh, I don't want to say a bit easier on me than maybe some other people, I guess, because it gave me, sort of an excuse to stay home and write and, um, you know, without any social engagements or other things to do. On one hand, it was kind of, it was very centering and focusing, and I was able to to kind of give myself the time to try to finish writing something in a way that I wouldn't have had in previous years when, let's say, my kids were busy with activities and birthday parties and social engagements but on the other side of that, I would say, um, you know, part of being a writer, it's so important to go out into the world and, and see things and observe. And even if you're eavesdropping in a Starbucks line, you know, you might pick up a great line of dialogue. And so on the flip side, I lost all of that. So I'm sort of trying to readjust and to slowly, you know, force myself to get back out there and, and do more social things and, And then not feel the guilt of, oh, I should be home completing something or, you know, I have um, a book coming out in July. And so I feel all this pressure to, you know, what should I be doing marketing wise and and am I making the best use of my time? And I think one thing the pandemic taught us was that, you know, unfortunately, there's no guarantee tomorrow's not a given. And so if if there's something that you want to do, you should do it now because you just you never really know what the future may hold.
0: Yeah, we definitely lost control. I think we realized we had little control over this time for sure. Um, Exactly. If somebody runs into you, I understand you're a writer and and journalist and there's there's things that you do. On paper, I see that. But if someone was to run up to you and and say, what do you do for a living? How would you explain (laughs) to them? Let's just say you were in front of a, a group of third graders and you're doing career day and they're like, what do you do?
1: Oh, that's a good question. You know, and I actually did do career day a long, long time ago for my for my children's school. And it was a lot of fun. Um, and it's also, it's funny that you ask that because I think for years I was an energy reporter. And so if I was at a party and somebody said, what do you do? I would sort of say, I'm a writer just because everybody, you know, knows what that is. And it seems like an easy answer. But I also, I guess I didn't realize initially that when you say writer, people think, you know. Danielle Steele or Stephen King, they're really excited to hear that. And then they say, well, what do you write? And I would say, oh, I write about natural gas or oil or electricity. And you would just watch their eyes glaze over. And so I feel like it's, you know, when you answer that question, you sort of have to give a little bit of backstory. So when I did the career day, I would say that, you know, I I go out and I interview, at the time I was doing some local news. And so I would explain to them, I would go to, let's say, the opening of a new business in town and I would interview the owners and sort of get that backstory. and then when I got home I would piece it together and sort of, you know, just the way anyone would put together an outline, think about, you know, what's the most interesting thing? What do people most want to read about? And then that goes at the top and then you sort of, you want to hear the voices of the people you interviewed so you'd want to throw in those quotes and um, so that was sort of my journalistic take on things and then uh, on the author side, I would say a lot of that has to do with kind of coming up with a plot and characters and just sort of a lot of, I would say, introspection even before you sit down to write. But, um, you know, I think when I spoke with them, I talked a lot about using imagination and also writing from what you know, which can make it easier. Unless, of course, if they have an interest in fantasy or something like that, I would say embrace that those ideas. I don't know. I hope that answers your question.
0: (laughs) It did. It it certainly did. And I think to get to where you are right now as a writer, um, let's go back to to your beginnings. Where were you born and raised and kind of what was your childhood like that gave you this motivation to do this?
1: Oh, thanks for asking. Uh, I was born in Basking Ridge, New Jersey, or I guess that's where I lived from the time I was about one, one. And um, my mom one of my earliest memories is, um, she would read to me every afternoon on the couch and we would sit together and it was, you know, such like a special time and reading has always been such a love of mine. And I joke, like, I'm, I'm not a great athlete. I don't have a ton of other hobbies, but like give me a book and I'll just sit for hours and hours and, I loved going to the library when I was growing up and for birthdays and Christmases, I would always ask for the Nancy Drew books. And I had this whole collection and it was kind of like my pride and joy. And so it was always, I guess, a dream of mine to to try to write something uh, because of just the great love that I had for reading and to discovering a new author, a new series. It was so exciting.
0: So, you know, there's always that flashpoint, you know, when when you're growing up, that you read something or listen to something, something artistically driven. And I think we realized that probably over this pandemic, if we didn't have art and literature and music, that we would have been in a really bad place. So what was that moment for you growing up, that moment with art or literature or just kind of part of the curtains and you realize this is wonderful and it may be something you want to pursue in your life?
1: Oh, well I would say I can still remember in fourth grade going to the live the school library and they had a great library and I think I discovered it kind of sort of two different genres. One was um a book called Ransom about students on a school bus and that was, you know, suspenseful and so exciting and I, I remember kind of ignoring everything else just to keep turning the pages. And then sort of on the more humorous side, um, of course, like I loved all of Judy Bloom's books. And then there was another one called The Cat Ate My Gym Suit. And um I think those were sort of I look at that as kind of a turning point, like that that fourth grade library experience as something that really solidified in my mind, like, wow, this is something I really have a passion for, and I would love to to someday craft a story that maybe resonated with a, another reader. Uh, because of how special that moment was for me.
0: What about role models or heroes? You know, we only kind of get to where we're at because of those that we look up to around us. Who is that for you?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Um, You know, I think I would probably say my parents because especially like my, my dad grew up, he had kind of a, a hard childhood. His dad passed away when he was two and um, he was the only child and He worked really hard to put himself through school and to always support my grandmother who eventually lived with us because he didn't, you know, want her to be on her own or alone. And I think she needed a little financial backing. And so I really look at him and he would kind of tell us all the time, like anything – you can achieve anything if you're willing to work hard enough to get it. And he kind of instilled that in my brothers and me. I mean, I don't think he loved the idea that (laughs) that I wanted to be a writer versus, let's say, an accountant. But, (laughs) But at the same time, you know, he kind of was supportive if it was something that you were going to throw your whole heart and
0: soul into and pursue. So how did this journalistic journey begin for you? I know for me, you know, coming from that, World of journalism, it's almost as though it's kind of like, you know, getting your first tattoo or smoking cigarettes or something like that. It's like you get hooked. Like it's just in your bloodstream after you get in there. So, what was that moment for you where you were like, this is what I want to do? And have you ever really shaken that urge of, of being a journalist?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Well, I would say I sort of backed into it a little bit. I was an English major in college and when I graduated, I was looking for journalism jobs or jobs in publishing or magazines, and there didn't really seem to be any available. And so I ended up taking a job working in a customer service department for a financial services company. And that, I quickly realized, was not really what I wanted to do full full time and, you know, for the long haul. And then I found an ad for, I guess it was a headhunter was looking for someone with an english degree who also had a bit of financial experience and so i contacted her and that was when i was able to move into the job as an energy reporter and so i enjoyed you know sort of getting on the phone and talking to sources and finding out what was moving the market but at the same time as i as i said before when you when you're talking about energy products and commodities it's not really as exciting as let's say a human interest story or or breaking an interesting story in a town. Um, I know during a hurricane we had, I was in touch with um, a nursing home where the people, they were just without electricity for days and days. And being able to put that out in the press really put the pressure on the power company to to get their heat back on. And I think so, I think in those moments, you realize the power, Of local journalism and things like that in a way that maybe you don't necessarily when you're in other aspects of media. So I think in those moments and meeting people in towns and just hearing such interesting stories. I once um, interviewed a girl. She was a young babysitter who was able to use the Heimlich maneuver to save a child she was babysitting for. And um, I guess she had taken a CPR class through the Red Cross and it's just, you know, there's, everybody has an interesting story to tell. And I think as a journalist, you have an opportunity to, to share their story on their behalf. And I feel like it's such a privilege to do that. So um, that's, that's really why I love it. So I still freelance um, when I have an opportunity to, and, and I love just, chatting with people and hearing how they came to do what they do.
0: What has been the best fan letter that you've ever received from anybody?
1: Oh, <laughs> that's hard to say. I have to say I did um I did receive one a few weeks ago from a woman who read my young adult thriller He'll be waiting and um I was really surprised she just kind of reached out and said it was one of the best books that she's she's read and that she felt like before that she had been in a bit of a reading slump and she said she had stayed up all night to finish it. And, um, you know, I think it's lovely when you get a compliment from a friend or a family member, but for a stranger to reach out out of the blue really means so much. And, and for her to call it one of the, her favorite things really meant so much to me.
0: If you could meet anybody alive right now on the planet, who would you meet?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Ooh, I'm, I'm kind of torn between writers and musicians. Um, I would love to meet Amy Mann, the um, singer-songwriter. I, I love her. I follow her on Instagram, and she's also an amazing artist. Uh, so I, probably, I would probably go with Amy Mann. And I don't know if you watched Portlandia, but there's a scene where she's a guest star and she plays a, a cleaning woman. And it's funny because I've seen her in concert at least a dozen times. And every time she comes around, I'll say to my husband, let's go see Amy Mann again. And he'll say, oh, my gosh, you've seen her so many times. Can't you want to go with somebody else? And then when we saw her on Portlandia portraying this cleaning woman, I said, you know, it's because you don't want to see her more often. She's, <laughs> she's, she's had to become a cleaning lady on television.
0: <laughs> I, I I love Amy Mann, and I love that soundtrack to Magnolia. That's still one of my favorites.
1: Yes. Soundtrack. Oh, I just think she's... It, I don't know if you've seen her live, but she is amazing. I saw her at a local small theater. And what she did was she passed around a clipboard and basically had the audience write her set list. And um, she was just, just amazing. So, like, such a generous artist.
0: I can see that, for sure. She seems pretty grounded. You know, if you have a dream tonight and you run into your younger version of yourself around the time that you're, you know, getting out there into the world and becoming a professional and figuring things out, and you could give yourself one piece of advice based on what you've learned throughout all these years, what would you tell your younger version?
1: I would say start now, get going, you know, just kind of shelve the self doubt and all the negative chatter in your head that this is too hard and it's going to take too long and you're not creative enough. You're not smart enough. And I would just say like, just sit down and write and block out all those voices and don't, don't delay, because I did when, um I guess about 20 years ago, when my oldest child was an infant, I would write while he napped. And I still have about a 100 pages of that novel in like a straw beach bag in my closet that I never completed, just because it seemed, you know, to be such a monumental undertaking. And I sort of psyched myself out. And I wish that I hadn't done that. I wish I had just you know, buckled down and gotten through it. So I, I would tell myself, like, just, you know, block everything out and just get, get down to the work and, and don't think, don't overthink it. Just believe in yourself more.
0: So if we were to talk in five years from now and I would ask you, what's going on? What, what are you happy to see that's been done? What are you looking forward to now, especially with kind of the world getting hopefully back to a place that isn't as tumultuous or in the throes of a pandemic?
1: Right. I would love to, to definitely get out there more. Um, I'm hoping I've been fortunate in that my my thriller that will come out July twelfth, I've been asked to participate in a reading panel in Bryant Park, so I'm really excited about that. And then I sold the rights to a UK publisher, Legend Press, and they're doing an author showcase in London in September. And so I'm hoping to attend that. And so I guess I'd really love to get back to traveling and either sharing my work with readers or having the opportunity to go out and see other authors and artists and, and just, because I feel like that really sees your soul, whether you're an artist or, or just, you know, out there in the audience. And so I'd love to be on both sides of it again.
0: So everyone has a perception of you or, or an idea of who they think you are, your family, your friends, your readers, those colleagues, those that know you, but ultimately you live your life. You have a perception of you. Who do you think you are?
1: Oh, I th- I like to think of somebody who is trying their best without taking themselves too seriously. Um, and I think, I'm also trying to, as I said as i the same advice I would give my younger self, I try to give myself now like don't you know try to try to minimize the negative self talk and and just maybe believe in yourself a little bit more that like good things can happen and like don't be afraid to open your email because there's going to be another rejection in it <laughs> because there always will and you can't stop that, but that that shouldn't stop you from putting yourself out there, so I guess I would say I'm someone who. Is trying, <laughs> trying hard, and um, and I try to also support other artists. Um, anyone who who has any questions about publishing or writing, I'm always happy to answer if they reach out. Or because I feel like so many people have been very generous to me, and that has been such a wonderful part of this experience. Is connecting with other authors and just their generosity and support has has blown me away, and that has been one of the happiest surprises of publishing I think.
0: Wonderful Liz, hey, thank you for for taking some time out before we go. Let's get to the good business here of how people can buy your book, find out about you, any events that you're involved involved with anything regarding you, where can they go, where's the best place?
1: Oh, thank you so much. My website is lizalterman.com and my adult thriller The Perfect Neighborhood will be out July 12th, and so that's available through local bookstores and, of course, larger online outlets, and I'm hoping for anyone who's local, I'm doing a reading as part of the Bryant Park Summer Reading Series on July 13th, and then I'm hoping to have a book launch at um, the Asbury Park cooperative which is um, just a wonderful venue for local authors and artists and that will be August 7th and then um, from there I am I'm hoping to make it over to London in September and I guess if anyone wants to visit my website I hope to put up an event uh, calendar there and then I also if anyone is interested I've posted some Uh, book club discussion questions. And I'm always happy to connect with readers who might be interested in having me either zoom or Skype into a book club. Um, They can just feel free to reach out my emails right on the website. And um, I hope I usually try to get back to people within a day or two.
0: Wonderful, Liz. Hey, thank you again. Good luck with everything. Thank you.
1: Oh, I appreciate yours. It was a pleasure speaking with you.
0: Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe D'Amino, where we cover the world of art, literature, and music around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe D'Amino channel on YouTube. Thanks again for listening, and until next time...